Today on our show, we're counting down our top five sequel pitch ideas yeah. as we try to convince you, the audience, that these movies should be made. That's right. You're the studio. We're the assholes. Let's go, Polly. <laughs> well, it's one asshole. <laughs> Here we go. Welcome to episode 439 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the podcast. We count down stuff in order of awesomeness so you don't have to. And as said at the top of the show today, we are pitching sequel ideas that Wayne and I have had. Films that we think should be made based on existing properties. And we're just going to riff at each other, totally throw these out there. Bit of a spitball idea episode. I think maybe somewhere in the deep, dark echelons of the past, we might have done a little bit of this one before. There may have been a segment where we talked about something, but this is a whole like... I feel like Topher was on the show once and we talked about sequel ideas, but maybe I'm making that up. It could easily have happened. I Who knows? Rem- I, I forget. If you're out there, Topher, shout out to you, sir. What a player. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much all the preamble. It's as simple as that. I, I think, if I may be so bold. Please. I'm going to go last on this one today, Wayne, because I think I've, my last sequel is going to blow your mind. I can't wait. Absolutely. That's a I mean, big, I'm fine. bold statement. No problem. Designed to get you to hang around listen until That's the right. end of the episode. I should mention Paul is actually a writer. Like, uh, Paul like, uh, writes Paul shit. Paul pretends to be a writer. No, no, Paul writes shit. He's been published in like, all sorts of shit. Okay, that's he's not like, true. That's your not your true. reviews and shit are published and quoted. Yeah, so, sure. I've, I've been you know. re- yeah, that's, that is true. But okay. nevertheless, yes. look, here we go then. So it, it could be an interesting one. But let's find out about that on the other side of this segment, which kicks off every show, mostly. It's called The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? The recount, the mailroom, the prezula. Let's do it. <laughs> Two votes this week, Wayne. Because oh, I wanted yeah. to catch us up from episode 436, the top 10 jokes. <laughs> uh, Not episode. many people listened by comparison to normal, but yet more people voted in this one than they did the next vote. 43 votes accumulated, Wayne. An absolute smashing win to you. 34 votes to a paltry nine for okay. me. Yeah. People responded to the rude, to the crass, to the <laughs> insensitive... It is literally my entire personality. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Kidd said, I like the vampire making tea joke. Reminds me of college. <laughs> Your cousin, Ash Broff, said, uh, I enjoyed Paul's Thomas as a cunt, the tank engine number, but Wayne was just having too much fun. He was. He absolutely was. <laughs> David Powell, patron extraordinaire, said, Wayne automatically gets my vote because he had Would I, which was my go-to joke through all of university, although my punchline was less the less subtle, get fucked, cunt face. <laughs> I had... Only heard that from one person, and I developed it over the years. So I'm intri- intrigued at alternate versions of that. There you go. Chad Fackler said the coconut joke was actually my favorite one that either one of you told, but I also love the brown and sticky one. Lol, yeah, I know, dad jokes. What's the coconut one? Can you remember it? No. Okay. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot no, like it's that. it's hard to fill up your brain with all this shit, people. I tell you. And he said he voted for me. Thanks, Chad. Uh, maybe you weren't now that I forgot that joke. <laughs> I, my apologies. Timothy Williams said, forgot this one, Wayne Is it What's the difference between a drug deal and a hooker? Hooker can wash a crack and sell it again. Yeah. <laughs> Mina Harker, aka Dan, said, I'm always a fair and objective voter, and to prove it, I'm voting for Paul, although the world's best jokes, these are not fair. Fair. It's very, very fair. fair. All right, then, over to the other vote, which was also a win for Wayne, going two for two this week and oh, smashing really? me out of the park. Actually, there was 47 votes in the end, so this one did climb up. A bit closer, 29 votes to you, Wayne, 18 votes to me for the top 10 
superior list of television shows of the 20th century. Mm. In terms of the feedback then on that episode, Johnson, okay, Julio from the Contrarians podcast said, Wayne gets it for having Letterman as opposed to Paul for having an Australian knockoff. Oh no, the Australian knockoff is Steve Weizard, but the late show right, I know yes. has a similar it's name. A similar name, a bit rude, but okay. <laughs> By the way, everyone when I was a kid used to be like, I can't believe you watched Dave Letterman. For those who had heard of it because it's on 3M. Yeah. Anyway, so Troy Spinner, the man who put the list out there for us. Thank you for doing that. Again, this week, Troy said, by a very quickly made up rating system, Paul is getting my vote this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which did make me last. Chef Ben Randall said, fuck Seinfeld. Don't know who he voted for. Wow. <laughs> from the In the Weeds podcast. Wow. Nick Horton said, Paul, easily wins this one for me. Tour of Judy Blackadder, Cheers, and early Doctor Who. Tom Bacon, Peter Davidson were my original doctors. But then Ashley Gorski, the queen of television, the rabbit ears TV podcast host, said, got to vote for oh, Wayne, yes, seeing as we had to say number three and number one in defense of Paul. Had I known the rule about crossing into the 2000s, Buffy would have been my number two. Great list, gents. Oh, that's high praise. And then recent guest on the show, Stu for the Stu World Order podcast. Do check out Stu and his great shows. Here. Wayne had Batman Letterman. Wayne wins. All right. Very kind of you, so folks. Well done, well done, Wayne. On Thanks two for voting. Duo wins there. Now, haven't run this past you, Wayne. Haven't even prepared you. Hmm. So there's going to be a subtle edit here, and the subtle edit is going to go something like this. <laughs> Sick gal watch. We haven't had one in a while. It's been a while, Wayne, since right. Steve Zagal has darkened our doorstep, hmm. I think it's fair to say. And this is not for whatever ridiculous, idiotic, slash criminal, sleazy, slutty, hmm. awful behavior that he's done. Although... Yeah. You will find, as we're about to discover, that he doesn't limit this to real life. He also brings the sleaze into his music career, Wayne. Oh, oh of course. <laughs> of course. Yes, yes. So with thanks to several listeners who, I think Tony Dobbish was one. <laughs> Paul Murphy on the Facebook listening community. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Scott as well through Instagram. And oh, clearly there's been a bit of a renaissance in Steven Zagal through the social media. I actually first saw this on Reddit before. like, okay. and so, it's, so it's come back. It's come back. So, without any further ado, I would like to now <laughs> give you a little bit of Steven Seagal in his music career. This is from <laughs> this is from the album called Songs from the Something Crystal Cave. Uh-huh. A song called Strut. Prepare yourself, Wayne. When the girls start to strut, you could look at their but you shouldn't do that. This is just a pity, not just a to tell her kitty. No, no, that's too much. It's, it's, uh, look at your like the, You know what it is, right? First of all, the punani. This me want the punani. You should look at her butt. You know, shouldn't do that or whatever oh he's saying. God, that's bad enough. But then him affecting a, a Haitian or sorry, like a Jamaican, a, a Jamaican accent, fucking Caribbean West Indian accent. Yet, oh my god, that's the worst bit. <laughs> so among being apart from me, I should say a top level martial artist trained by the very best in Japan. And an ex-CIA operative on the side and a sheriff on a TV show. He's also a very successful, <laughs> whatever you want to call that, Was that Bob rap? Marley wannabe yeah, type musician. Calypso. I don't know what the fuck Fucking hell. He's a piece of shit everywhere. Have you ever seen him play? Even the- his music is creepy. Oh, yeah. Because you want to look at, don't look at the butt. You want to look at the puppy. You shouldn't look at the butt. <laughs> 
Again, it's the affectation that's more <laughs> offensive than the, the words. Anyone can spit out punani and shit like that, but yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was worth throwing in there today. A little bit of a bonus for you, Wade. A bit of a laugh for us both. Side note, have you ever seen him, I do this in quotes, play the guitar? It's just his stupid fat ass hand over a fucking strat and his, only his thumb is picking it like a bass string. I'm like, that's not playing you stupid fuck. That's because he's saving it for teaching yeah. others how to do the top level martial arts and taking credit for all their moves that's that they've right. created. And being so fat and, you know, I don't and know And also what. being appointed the envoy to consul negotiations with the American, by the Russian president. Because he's a, a citizen now of Russia. Imagine all that Russian punani. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough. I don't think we need to hear any more from no, this no, we do not. Man. On the other side of this closure, though, we will have our top five sequel pitch ideas. No punani involved. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Let's do it, Wayne. Without any further ado, let's get into it then. What is your fifth best Sequel pitch idea. Okay, take Remember, me. You're not just pitching to me, you're pitching to our audience out there as well. All right, audience. Here's I, I got an idea here for a sequel to a very popular film. The sequel is simply called, this is a working title, it's called Alone. Okay? Okay. And now I'm going to tell you the opening and then I'm going to tell you what movie it's a sequel to. So we open up on a very dir- dirty sort of prison. Okay? We're in a prison and there's two guys who have clearly spent like 20 years behind bars for the crimes they committed. I have a note. Go on. It's called Alone, but there's two guys. Yeah, that's right, Paul. (laughs) It's called Artistic License. (laughs) Okay, go on. Okay? You'll see where this goes, okay? Anyway, this is just the beginning, Paul. You see these two guys, they're obviously pissed off. One of them's named Harry, the other one's called Marv. And they are just completely shat, and they're very, very bitter about the reason and the person who put them in that jail for 20 years. They were also known as the Wet Bandits in the original movie, Home Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Now... Marv, Joe Pesci, and Daniel Stern. Marv, sorry, Marv Are you a little bit, Stern. Okay, I do, I do need another note here. Go on. Daniel Stern is dead. Okay. <laughs> and I believe Joe Pesci has retired. So we're, that, one, that one's negotiable. We might have to do a little magic. Might have to do a little bit of CGI. Fucking James, James Cameron going to direct? I think we can get Cameron. Okay, good. I think we can get Cameron. So, Problem okay. solved. So there we are. So let's just say Joe Pesci and Daniel... Sorry, Harry and Marv, the wet bandits are now free. This is the last day of their 20-year term and they are pissed off. They've got... For a moment there, I thought you were going like Sin City with Harry. And, oh, I can't remember what uh, what Willis's character's name was, but Marv, obviously, Mickey Rourke. Oh, yeah. No, no. Don't make any mistakes, though, Paul. This is not your mother's home alone or your okay, dad's home alone. Good. I okay? like this different direction. Now, they have been... Thrill me. Yeah, they are about revenge on Kevin, okay? Mm-hmm. Only that little Kevin is a man now, Paul. Still played by Macaulay Culkin... Shouldn't be hard to get him. No, shouldn't be hard to get him. Kevin McAllister is now a paranoid, drug-addicted, gun-toting agoraphobic. Oh, so you he's see, basically Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween reboot. Is that so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And uh, he Because having his home broken into over and over and having to defend yourself all through the ages of eight and no, ten or whatever. Didn't about parents you. didn't give a fuck about Parents didn't give a fuck. And it's unusual for, like, you know, that shit. It does a lot of damage to a child's psyche, so he also is fucked up in the head. And what we have is basically... They get out of jail. They Do they escape or they let loose? No, no, they'll let loose. Okay, 20 so it's 20 years. years yeah, that's enough. Right? They've served their time. They're like, okay, the first thing we're going to do is fuck this little fucker up, okay? And then he's <laughs> so like... Apparently it didn't work. That's right. Now, he's cracked out in his house, and it's not, it's not the same nice... Actually, you know what? It is the same nice okay. house, all right? Because right? that's the thing his parents gave him because they neglected him. They all bought the farm, by the way. I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> all right? 
uh, John Hurd and whatever her name is, she's out. Okay, so he's just there. He's cracked out in that house. It's not in the same condition it was before. In fact, it's a lot darker. It's not this nice, beautiful kind of like snowy kind of shit. It's fucked up. And what happens is when these like there's a bunch of machinations that happen, but finally Joe Pesci, I mean Marvin and Harry, they get there, and we end up with this fight that's twenty years in the making. Winner takes all. Both parties have death. Death, bro. Ooh. He wants to kill them. They want to kill him because he knows they're coming, okay? They have both got nothing to lose because these are cracked out ex-cons and fucking Kevin is fucked in the head. He's all fucked up, right? All right. Then what goes down is a booby-trapped home invasion gone wrong tour de force with a straw dog's level of violence, okay? Ooh. Like, I'm talking legs caught in bear traps, fingers getting cut off, splashed, <laughs> acid on face splashing, burns, the you know, paint cans to the face, all that shit, all right? And only one remains standing. Who will be home alone? <laughs> and that is how we clean out. So... <laughs> Totally rated R. Totally rated R. Okay. Well, you, you got me on board on that one. That's you know what for I'm sure. Saying? It's part. like it's like an oof like that. I mean, I don't know who we're selling it to, but I think you know what the whole marketing ploy is here. If you loved Home Alone, that means you're old like us now. But who will remain? Who will remain? Home. Home alone. Alone. Yeah. Home alone in the dark. It's a working title. Okay. <laughs> it could work out, but that's it. So everyone who's old enough to have liked that show is now old enough to see this show, and then we make it cool and shit. Can you can you imagine the backlash, Wayne? I know. You've destroyed my childhood. Exactly. I can't wait to hear these <laughs> dumb Karen motherfuckers whining all this shit. I can't wait for the picket line. Fuck y'all, Karen. So yeah, that's it. Home Alone sequel. Alone. All right. Look, <laughs> I like it. I like it's different. I appreciate the effort you've gone to there. My number five is the lowest hanging fruit on my list. I couldn't go past Sure. wanting to make a remake to my favorite horror film of all time. Oh. And it's pretty, and I, I, want, to say, I want to acknowledge here, I'm not rewriting anything, not Putting a different spin on it, it's the same of what was great 40, 41 years ago. Are you doing a shot-for-shot remake like Psycho? No, God, no. God, no. That's not a sequel. That's shite. Oh, that was shite, was it? The Vince Vaughn was shit? Was it really? It's a terrible film. One of the worst films ever made. But my film is a sequel, of course, to The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, a sequel. A sequel set 40 years later. Beautiful. Contemporaneously. I love it. So, obviously, there's no Kurt Russell. Why? Because he dead. So he did die at the end, Paul? No He one. didn't somehow get out? No one got out of there. Uh, we are, instead, we are going with his niece, who has never given, not given up, she knows he's dead, but wants to know what happened to her uncle. And she has ingratiated herself in terms of making a study of the Antarctic for her entire life. She is so a, she's a scientist special of scientist of Antarctic regions. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. been in and around this area. She's on. There's a big boat. There's a big fuse, motherfucker off boat, scientific scientific expedition to the Antarctic. Got it. And they are in and around the area of the base. But they're not on land. They're in no, the boat. They're on the boat. Is that where the most of the movie takes place? Well, eventually. Got because it. what happens is Got it. they get they they're doing their thing, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, science is the shit out of this that you want to. They are exploring here we go. They're exploring climate change. How the polar ah, ice cap is topical. shrinking. But wait, she she didn't go there for the express purpose of ex- investigating no, the No, she's there but cuz she's fascinated by the Antarctic because her uncle, a man whom she loved very dearly sure. as, a, as a young. So she's therefore in her mid 40s, sure. you know, late 40s even. Perfect. Okay, so well, I'm thinking maybe some Charlize Theron? Yeah, I was thinking who you want for the lead. Charlize, Charlize she'd Theron? probably do great. She'd probably she would be, great. be awesome because it's going to be a physical part. There's going to be action involved. There's going to be fighting. There's going to be struggling to survive. And tell me there'll be flamethrowers, Paul. Oh, there has to be flamethrowers. Of course there has to be flamethrowers. Of course, they're in the Antarctic and there's... Exactly. Fire and ice. It writes itself. So 
between her obsessive research and because they they did find the the burnt out base at whatever point, but everyone was gone, and everyone was dead. She's wanted to visit it, and it so happens that they happen to be around near there. So she talks the helicopter pilot to take you to the which is now gone because the base has been however many yeah it's been snowed over it's been snow over the top of it yeah and whatever but whilst they are there said helicopter maybe there's a third character maybe the third character can can, third character we need someone else stumbles across the thing buried in the ice this thing wants to go to sleep wants to be buried in the ice wants to wake up when it gets found Exactly what happens now. So, the, so your so your premise is that the thing, whatever it is, yep. right, well, the has thing is the thing, the thing, the thing, yeah, the, yep. the, the, whatever, right, that has been uh, buried in the ice, Captain America style, and is dormant up until yep. some motherfucker yep. decides to wake it up. And when she talks to the helicopter pilot and the like, they are there on the base. Mm-hmm. And he lands. Yep. They land, which is they might be the first people since, so they may have flown around. Why would anyone bother to land, sift through the wreckage? Because it was six months. What did I say? It'd be three months before it even reported overdue. So they. Only knew the spot. They didn't right. go digging for anything. They know the base got destroyed. That was it. But this guy happens to be at the wrong place, the wrong, not the wrong time, the wrong place. The thing comes out of the ice and it takes him. Now, we're not hiding this. We're the not, helicopter pilot, yeah? No, no, the other, the third guy. Who's the third guy, the red shirt. Maybe the, the red shirt who's kind of into her and just. Okay, I was going to say, can I get a love interest, Paul? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's dead. So he's gone because we need the helicopter pilot to fly them out. All right, of there. fine. Okay. We'll get rid of him quick. Helicopter pilot, maybe he's, he's a cool dude too. We get back to the ship where we have, I don't know, 40, no, maybe. 20, 30 people, whatever it is. We don't get all the characters, but we're just following a core group. It's herself. This guy's interested in her. Maybe she's interested in someone else. And a few other people. And then the thing runs rampant and they work out what's going on. Right. And they have to try to survive. But they can't. They know they can't go back. The same problem, but this time they've got access out. So they can start steering the ship out of there. There's no... We're not waiting for the wind, the, the storm to blow over. They mm. can start, sail the fuck out of there whenever they want to. And now it becomes a... The bunch of people, including her, who are like, we can't sail out of here because we don't know who's got this thing in them and who exactly. doesn't. Exactly, can't bring it back to them. Yeah. Yeah, because we are now fighting for the species, ladies and gentlemen. This is not just about us. And then the group of people who are like, whether they are the thing or not, we don't know. Mm. And all the paranoia and all the rest of it, they're saying, fuck that, we're going back and we're getting out of here. It becomes a fight between these two groups. Mm-hmm. Who is the mm-hmm. thing and who is not? All the surprises, all the, the fantastic creature effects, practical effects, up the way. Hey, we're not doing this in CG. Oh, shit. It's going to be expensive, but it's going to look as good as Carpenter's film did 40 years ago. Not like this thing prequel that we got 10 or so years ago, 12 years ago now, 2011, I think it was. We want this one to be honoring the original. Now, you know John Carpenter's not going to stand in the way because all he's going to want to do is get paid. Paid, exactly. We'll ask him to do the music. That's okay. My, along with his son and uh, the other bloke, Cody Carpenter and, and the other one. Not bad, not bad. I've got a few questions. So, uh, the pilot, you're saying that there's the, she's either into the red shirt or she's into the pilot. No, the red shirt's into her. Red shirt's into her. Can we get a little color in the role? Can I make the pilot a black guy? Sure. It's a cool place. She might want some coffee, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, it's like... <laughs> I'm not saying she's into the pilot, but then we've got, like I said, this, this scientific yeah, expect- expedition. Cool there might be 30, 40 people. So, we can have... There should be people of all color and races and there should be both genders, all genders. You know, remember Event Horizon? There was that token black guy who was really funny. Who was like, um, <laughs> I think that guy. I'm not making the black guy token funny. I want that guy. He's great. He was so good. Anyway, I wanna... very good looking too. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Yeah, all, um, all the above. And uh, the, the, the people on the boat, how many? I'll say 30, 40. 30, 40? Mm-hmm. Oh, so big. This is like that, lost. That's like, that's a You're shooting shit. lost. <laughs> Maybe 40 is too much. Mate. Let's, say, lot. let's say 25. We don't get to know all of them. Oh, so we're talking like a big sort of like a freight kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, freight. Like, like this, is, like this, is, this is the... Actually, research nice into it. trying to you know save the world. So we're not just sending 12 people mm, or, or 10 people mm. down there. And now here's the other thing. 
we have in the group of people. Clearly, they're mostly scientists. After all, it's a research mission. Yep. Do we have any colonial marine kind of like? Is there a security? thing going on? Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, you're gonna need a little, a little bit of security. Right? I don't know if they'd be running around with big, huge, you know, fuck off. But someone brought rifles. a someone brought that flamethrower, right, Paul? So Those it's gonna be someone yep. who knows that shit. And then she just picks oh, it up the like Arctic, Ripley. So you need to have some form of uh, heat. Oh, I'd love a, a scene like with her, like Ripley and Hicks. Like, can you teach me how to use this thing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Sure. I'm sure we can work oh, something. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's my. Oh, I love it. And my title for this one is working title only, of course, is. The thing to thing harder. Oh, for God. <laughs> How about, here's the thing. <laughs> it was just a thing. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, thingamajiggy. We'll, thingamajig. Thingamajig. Yeah. yeah, okay. No, we'll work uh, on that. Yeah, That's great. That's great. Right. Okay, fantastic. What's your number four? Okay, so my number four is, here's the thing. It's a... <laughs> no, this is called something different. It's called, um, it's called Batman Arkham Asylum, Paul. Okay, yeah. Okay, so now here's the thing. We got, we got, <laughs> I say that a lot, don't I? There was a graphic novel actually called Batman Arkham Asylum. It was just called Arkham Asylum. And it was about essentially the Arkham Asylum. It is the creepiest, most like ugh, unsettling looking graphic novel you've ever seen. Dave McKean, art, very odd. Anyway, what happens here is that we're, we're going in on Arkham Asylum. And this is actually a sequel to The Batman, as in the Robert Pattinson Batman. Okay, which means it's an. All right, so you're following straight on for that one. Yeah, yep. so it's not a Snyder or any of those things. This is a whole different thing, and it's very dark. Okay, but what happens is you've got two people operating inside operate uh, Arkham Asylum: Doctor Harleen Quinzel, yep. who's Harley Quinn, who becomes Harley Quinn, and Doctor Jonathan Crane, who becomes a Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. But at this stage, they're just normal people. They're regular okay? folk. Regular folks. They're, you know, trying to figure out all of the looties in Arkham Asylum. By the way, Arkham Asylum is like hell. Like, literally, there are weird people everywhere. There's people jerking off in the corner. There's, like, nasty shit going on. Two-Face is, like, his therapy's not going well. He's pissed his pants. All kind of nasty shit, right? So the subplot of the movie is these guys, as they continue to expose themselves to the likes of the Riddler, the Joker, Mr. Riddler, they just become, they're descending into madness themselves, Okay. What happens is, finally things go weird and messed up, and there's hostages in there, and so Batman just turns up. What then goes on to happen, Paul, is right. essentially, you could say... So Batman's coming along to save the hostages. Right, but he's going to go in Arkham Asylum, on his own, on their conditions. You can't bring anyone, Batman, whatever, just go in here, we want to talk. The Joker wants to talk. He's the guy in, the, in charge, okay? All right. And, and the Joker's at the top of Arkham Asylum, which is, by the way, a massive, huge mansion with like 200 rooms, okay? All right. And Batman's got to get his way to the Joker. Guess what this is, Paul? It's Batman the Raid. Okay. Oh, shit. So he walks in there and he basically has to take out 200 more. Batman gets... That's right. And it's like... Well, the Joker doesn't want the Batman to die. No, but he knows... the Joker right Because Batman, Joker knows that Batman will fuck them all up and be completely fingered by the time he my gets there. My note would be... My, my on, quest please, would be... Please. It can't be the Joker leading this. It's got to be someone who wants Batman dead. Hmm. Joker can be involved. Maybe the Joker's saying, you can't do this. Maybe we the could Joker, do that. The we Joker could be off the side going, this is a stupid idea. You're just going to anger him. We could be. We, we could make it a, uh, the Joker is like a, the sort of second lead villain. I reckon the Joker, like, no, no, no. here we go. Here's my note for you. Oh, oh go on. What about the Joker became almost allied with Batman? Now you're talking. Okay. And in fact, if that's the case, which is now a new twist, which I think I like, the head guy needs to be someone who cannot physically beat the Batman himself, like the Penguin, for example. Okay. Okay. Yep. So Batman and Penguin face off. Penguin's going to be the ass kick. So he's got to use everyone else because the Penguin and the Riddler think they're smart. Do we have a Batman. threatening physical villain though that can be like oh, yeah. the, the big boss battle at the uh, end? Killer Croc, Bane. It could be okay. anyone. All right. Oh no, there'll be several of those. Yep. But him fucking everyone up, and then Two Face himself is just this guy who used to be a lawyer, but he's kind of a badass, right? So I don't know where he fits in there, but 
As the Batman villain, we're gonna have to have every Batman villain ever. I just think we, we keep a the, hit, the the point about Arkham Asylum is that you can have every Batman villain, but he doesn't have to spend forever time on him. Yeah, okay. There's one bad guy. There's the Joker, and then whoever the people turn up, it becomes like this rapper's delight of fucking. Yeah, I think the Joker being like the voice of not reason, but like going, "This is a stupid idea. This is not the way you get the bat. This is not how you do it." You know what? And eventually, better? he's like, "Ooh, if the bat dies, and at one stage maybe it looks like he's going to, I lose." My identity. My, yeah, my, my identity. My, I lose my, what's the word? My nemesis. Exactly. I'm not ready to this. No. I'm going to defeat my nemesis, not this fucking penguin. There's cr- been definite stories like actually about that. So I think it would be a good idea is if the Joker goes, I don't want the Batman to die. He's yep. the only fun I have in my life. And he starts fighting next to him. Yep. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's how it is. And Batman has to accept his help because he realizes he, he, even he, with all the inmates turning on him in, in Arkham Asylum, even he is outmatched. That's right. That's right. And this, Paul, is a gothic fantasy. And Make Batman is played by Iko Uwais. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've never had a cha- an, an orient- chain... Uh, we can't say oriental. <laughs> an <chi>. Asian Batman... <laughs> I, I was going to say Chinese, but I stopped short. Because <laughs> he's not Chinese, he's Indo. So what up? No, we cut all this out. Oh, no, no, it's good. It's good. No, it's, no. It's, it's, I'm Asian, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so yes, good, good one. So yeah, a gothic fantasy. The original comic was actually called A Serious House on Serious Earth, believe it or not. That's actually the subtitle. This is a terrible title. Very odd, very odd, I know, but it became a classic. So there you are, Batman Arkham Asylum. All right, that's my number four. I'm sort of warring with the order of how I should put these in. So I'm going to go with, most of these I started with an idea, and the further I wrote it, the, like other, with the possible exception of the thing two, thing harder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got more into it the further I went, so... I'm going to take the second lowest hanging fruit and save my biggest surprises for last. Okay. My number four then is a sequel. And I'm going to do what seems to be the choice de jour in Hollywood at the moment. Mm. I'm going to retcon out previous sequels. Not bad, not bad. If I'm allowed to play with this. Absolutely, because that's what Hollywood does. And I'm going to make a sequel directly to Aliens. Oh, great. No Alien 3. This is Alien No 3. Alien Resurrection. Certainly no Alien versus Predator bullshit. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. Instead, this is just Aliens. We have to come up with well, a it's, it's Alien 3 is working yeah, title. It, so it's the third in the story. It's the third in this new... Pretty much what... Uh, what's his name? Neil Blomkamp was going to be doing before Ridley Scott pissed all over the idea. Oh, with the Prometheus When he was making Pre- yeah, Prometheus yeah. and then Covenant. So this will pick up 35 years later. Mm. 35 years. So, so we, no Ripley, hits. Newton, Hicks have all survived. Oh, okay. They all, no ridiculous sort of plane in stasis crash, plane, spaceship crash where they land on a on a shitty prison planet. Instead, they make it back to Earth and Ripley and Hicks hook up and they get together and they're still together 35 years later. So, so after they came back from Earth, yep. they got banging, right? Yep. And then they're just together still they're 35 still together. Years they're happy. I know, I know this doesn't work. And oh, well, they should be antagonistic towards each other. And oh, that, I know what's happening. And they're also Paul. like 75 years old, both or, or early 70s. They adopted Newt, who's now an adult. Yep. And probably in her mid to late 40s. I would say so. She's about yep. our age, yeah. Give or take a little bit, little bit younger than, than we are. And they're happy. Now, they have just a couple of younger siblings as well, but they don't really feature too much in this because Ripley and, and Hicks had kids. Uh, okay. Oh, did they? Yeah. So, now, meanwhile... As 35 years later, a hive is discovered on some alternative world somewhere. Some planet, and an, yes. after many casualties, Wadi Nutani manages to bring back eggs to Earth. Oh. And two of the survivors of the platoons of soldiers who, the colonial marines who threw themselves at it, are a particular lieutenant and a sergeant. 
and they are the the action beat heroes of this particular film. Because these other motherfuckers can't jump around no yeah, more. Yeah, we can't have Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, and, and Michael Bean being carrying the the heavy. What's Michael being? He's what's his age now? Uh, I think he's probably around 68, 67, 9, somewhere around there. Yeah, I saw him on um on a podcast, the Mike the the Michael Rosenbaum podcast. Mm-hmm. He looks amazing. Okay, all right. He so maybe we can do more could, than I'm telling you. you yeah, but I don't think we can have him be the center of the all no, the action. No, that's right? fine. That's fine. So these guys didn't don't like it, and they know what they're doing. This is bullshit. We've seen what these things can do, but they have to follow the orders. While in Italian is pretty much clear. Controlling the colonial marines, mm-hmm. and they're not even hiding their greed anymore. They're, you know, they're Carter Burke open about the fact that we have now got the biotech weapons that are going to change the world. Who wants them? Who's prepared to pay the most out of them? Mm. Except these cunts have quietly gone on the side and started their own experiments. So really? they've got this big forum together. Yeah. And they're saying, come one, come all, come and bid everybody. And meanwhile, they're still doing their shit. So in the depths of this particular base, wherever it is, they're bringing the everyone, and everyone together. Yep. So the government, let's say the, I'm going to give some credit here. I probably shouldn't. The US government says, we don't know about this shit. This seems really fucking... I think they would do that because they can't control it. So they go, hey, Hicks, Newt, no, Ripley and Hicks, come on in, Newt. Come on in. Yep, you You're go. our consultants. Yep, yep. We need sense. to know exactly what we're up against here. We need you to be informing us when we're in debates with Wayland Nutani around what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So this is the best defense in the world. They're summoned to the safest place in the universe, in the at least on Earth, because sure. this is where they're doing their, you know, their experiments and whatever else. And the main antagonist is the person sort of making these. And let's give, let's say it again. It's a evil Paul Rosary. Yeah, but more, uh, I think, a uh, more a Selma Hayek. Oh, okay. We can get yeah. a girl up in here. So there's an objector, maybe the lead scientist on this. He's saying he can already see the, what the writing on the wall is. But of course, Salma and her team at Wayland Newtown just plow right ahead with the experiments. Mm-hmm. And right as the negotiations are reaching fever pitch and all the governments are lobbying for this shit, um, of course, the aliens, which they've been growing, you know, with. Have they been using people to have people? Yes, they've been infecting oh, people. Those evil these bastards. bastards. And we have, let's say. Seven, eight, nine of these aliens break out. Of course. Run amok. And now they are running through this supposedly safest base in the world, which you can't get out of because it goes immediately into lockdown. And everybody else is trapped in this base with these aliens, which are taking people, dragging them back and infecting them. And it becomes this battle over a couple of days Mm. with Ripley, Newt and Hicks, along with these two soldiers and the objective scientist trying to survive. Now, a couple of questions. Please. I'm going to need pulse rifles. I know it's been 30 years, Paul, but I need or like... Or they've been upgraded in some okay, really upgraded cool in some way. way. Yeah. Or maybe Hicks has one lying around and he's like, I like to keep this handy for close encounters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the shit. Because, uh, of course, the queen gets the queen will be one of the first drones or one of the first eggs that hatches and the drones are protecting the queen. Uh, right. Now, it doesn't really work for the queen to be laying eggs immediately. I don't think the queen's life cycle is she starts laying eggs within two days. Maybe but, their but facility But they know that if this queen gets out... Yeah. If this queen gets out, so yeah, it's they've they've it's already had they've got a queen. Oh, that makes sense. They've already got a queen. It's laying eggs. Yeah. So it already is at that point, and they know that if this queen gets out, and they know if, that if these drones escape, that is curtains for the earth potentially. You got an ending for me, Paul? Because yeah, I do. Go on. I do have an ending for you. So I think as hard as this is for me to say, I think Hicks dies. In the, at the very end. I already knew Hicks would die. In a huge, you know, saving Ripley. And uh, type uh, of heroically, of course. Well, Ripley's still holding her own. Don't get me wrong. We can't, you know, have her not be the, the hero of this or no, the, no, no, of no, the no. film. That's always and the end. I think at least one of the two soldiers survives along with these two. 
and they think they've you, they've killed the queen alien or whatever else. They think they've done it, but then someone's been impregnated, someone's been infected, and they walk out the door at the very end of the film, setting the, us up for Alien 4, Earth Wars. Ah, I was going to say, were you going to torch the whole Earth, Paul, or were you going to let us win? Well, Or just, were you going to do that Hollywood thing where say, I got a little yeah. something, something? Yep. All right, not bad, not bad. Shame so the, the books can't. exist... And whatever else, but I don't that that sort of take on it. I don't think has, has there been was done. A, a dark horse uh, run, comic book run too, yeah, uh, which is amazing. There's four, epi- and it's so awesome, and it ends with Ripley turning up, it's like, <gasps> and then like you go to the, then they continue in another thing, which was so bad I almost threw up. So yeah, there's a series of books by Steve Perry, which I think might be based on some of those, and they had to change the names, so it wasn't. Oh really? Yeah, in these books, Ripley died, but Hicks and Newt didn't. Huh. And so, Rick, uh, from memory anyway, so Hicks and Newt are the main characters and they are, it's like 10 years later and Hicks has adopted Newt and she's become a badass kind of like 19-year-old, 20-year-old and Hicks is his, you know, scarred sort of awesome self. Yeah. And they are, they're running around trying to survive. Something not dissimilar, but it's on a spaceship. I wanted to bring it to Earth and I wanted to make it about, you know, the greed of Wailing Yutani, but against the sensibleness of the rest of the human race. Mm. Not bad. To a point. Not bad. Okay, I'd, I'd go see that movie. Cool. Fantastic. Thanks, sir. Okay, so my number three, ladies and gentlemen, is a sequel to a film called Leon the Professional. Ooh, okay. This one, working title, Matilda the Apprentice. Yes, yep, I like it. You know, and so for anyone who doesn't know, the original film was called that, and it's about a hitman who finds himself in a position where a child, Matilda, played by Natalie Portman in her first role, comes home in his apartment building to find her whole family massacred and he begrudgingly decides to take care of her before forming an attachment to her starts to teach her the ways of being an assassin at her request and then it ends when he's about to get away from police assault and gets fucked up and everything and basically well, he kills the main threat to her kills the main threat Norman to her Stansfield. and then she ends up uh, taking you know some money and then going to a boarding school and then she starts there she plants a little thing there Sting and she's plays like, over the entire Sting plays over it and she's like, I think we're going to be okay here cool in this prequel we pick it up She's all grown up. Matilda, Natalie Pre- Portman, let's get her Pre- again. Prequel, sequel. Sorry, sequel. Yeah. Uh, Matilda is all grown up and a functioning member of society. Let's say she's like, I don't know, a lawyer or something, right? Okay. And uh, she is like, you know, sort of just doing her thing. She's sort of put it, you know, for all you know as an audience member, she's put aside her past and she's growing up, she's functioning. And then you see Danny Aiello, Tony. Think just, he's dead too, but I all think right. he's dead too. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to go up with something. We'll have to work that out. Okay, <laughs> just just to talk to the CGI people. Anyway, he just turns up. He's obviously pretty old now, and he's trying to do the right thing by Leon's wishes of giving her Leon's money, like all of the money, because he's like, this is it, like whatever. However, the years have not been kind to Tony. He's betrayed the mob. He's a known rat. He's seen this as his last means of doing something right and finding some redemption. So Tony like leaves. And he gets kidnapped and tortured by Russian mobsters as a means of snuffing out the competition. Because he's still a gangster, right? And then they learn about Matilda and the money. And they decide to kidnap her since she's just a nobody and try and get his money off her. Okay? Matilda then gets kidnapped but escapes. It turns out after she was placed in that boarding school, Paul, with her plant, she was watched by Danny Aiello. He chose to never make contact. But he's like, he's still really sad about Leon's death. And he goes, I'm employing a female hitman named Avery. Hit woman, hit person, <laughs> sure, sure. right? What? No. I just called Ravery because it sounded cool. Okay. Uh, and that hit woman watched over her as an act of loyalty to Leon. The female hit person then befriended Matilda. Okay. We don't know this because we just picked up on her when she's like fucking forty. 
and then sort of completed her training before disappearing at some stage just mysteriously because we're not quite sure. We assume she got killed on a job or something. Right. Um, Matilda never actually killed anyone. She was just trained as an assassin. Okay? But we don't know that until we see Matilda escaping from the fucking Russian mobsters where she fucks like four of them up. Yeah, right? Okay. Yeah. And they're all dead and shit, right? So she bounces. So she's out. These are her first kills. So... The Russians want revenge, so they start going after her, okay? Meanwhile, there's an Italian mob who's Tony's or- original fucking crew okay. who hate the Russians now because they were fucking kidnapped fucking Tony. And basically, this film ends in a four-way shootout between the Russians, the Italians, the NYPD, and Matilda. And at the very last moment, Paul, boom! Camera booms up from an alley where they're shooting each other, and it's Avery. She's turned up. She somehow is still around. She might die or something in the gunfight. I'm not sure. But it becomes real cool, real fucking atomic (laughs) blonde for a while. And then I might incorporate a plant or something in the closing shot. I'm not sure. But um, I'm going to put some sting up in there too. Does uh, does Matilda make it out? Um, I believe she does, Paul. Because... Well, that would just be too sad. I can't kill Matilda. Yeah, she, okay. Just know, making sure you didn't, didn't specify. Is, is she going to be hanging around for more? Or what's the story? Well, there's a chance. I've got this idea. Maybe Matilda has had enough of working in the rat race and decides to go Hitman full-time. But in a way that Hit only takes person. out mobsters. You know what I'm saying? Like she becomes a little bit of a superhero. No women, no children. No women, no children. Exactly. And only scum. You know what I'm saying? No, Somehow she's got the scum. connects to actually there's, pick there's those your, targets. Uh, byline. No and may, maybe Only Avery, scum. maybe Avery survives and becomes her handler. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is. So that's it. All right. uh, Matilda, the, the apprentice. apprentice. Colin, the apprentice. There you go. Let's be clear here. All right. Very nice there. I think to use your words, Wayne, I would check out Matilda. Yeah. There, as <laughs> no, not the <laughs> it film. It sounded bad, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what fucking Colin, the apprentice. No, yeah. Not much better. All right, my number three is another sequel to a beloved film of mine. It comes from our, well, no, my favorite director, I think, of all time. I'm talking Edgar Wright. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, okay, what one? Which one? Well, that's the question. I'm going with the working title of Shaun of the Dead 2, colon, oh. Dead by Shaun. Dead by Shaun. Now, Wayne, this what? is a... What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a sequel in the vein of Evil Dead 2, Colon Dead by Dawn. Oh, all right. Okay, so, okay. You know, it makes sense. Now right, it makes so sense. basically now we're going to take, even though Cabin in the Woods exists, we're going to take the piss out of the Cabin in the Woods sort of horror film. Mm. And this film set, you know, 20 years, 15 years after the events of Shaun of the Dead. Shaun and Liz, they're still together. Okay, yep. Two leads. Yeah, they've got away from the family. Maybe they've got a kid or two. And they've t- gone off with their sort of similar age friends in their late 40s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. They've decided to get away from it all to like a mindfulness retreat to this company that's advertising the thing in the middle of fucking nowhere. English countryside we're talking or yeah. are they offshore? Yeah, English countryside. Well, okay. This one doesn't have to be in America. Why can't it just be a cabin in the world? It's a big cabin. It's much bigger than the one we see in Evil Dead. And there's more people around because it's a retreat. Okay, good. And they're going on this massive mindfulness silent retreat mm-hmm. with like 12 people yeah. and the person who leads it all, the... The facilitator of this retreat, who's, you know, very new age and as you can imagine and everything's, you know, crystals and blah, 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 blah. Right, right. right. But, you know, Liz wants to do it. Sean wants to make Liz happy. But in this world where 15 years after zombies came into existence and they're still, you know, alive, well, uh, they're still existing, Ed is still around. He's still the pet. Now, only... I was going to ask you. Only the most well-looked-after zombies are still in existence because otherwise they're falling to pieces and you know they, they knock into something and knock a leg off or whatever else it is. So 
so Nick Frost is still a zombie. And he is their pet. He's their, basically still their pet. And he's very attached to them all. Now, other people, because it's a very affluent, well-to-do series of people who are coming to this very right. exclusive retreat, right. have also, most of them have their own sort of zombies that are coming. Oh, really? Most of them. Oh, it's become a thing. Yeah, it's like a rich person or a, or a very caring person du jour. That would explain Second bringing Nick jour, The three times in this one episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, what happens is they, of course, awaken some ancient Kandarian demon or some demon. I can't, probably can't use Kandarian because that would be copyright. Sure. And the demons go straight for the undead, take them over and turn them into blood-raving, blood-craving, lunatic kind of... More <laughs> zombie than zombie? More Well, more demon than zombie More now. demon than zombie, got it. And they start ripping through people. Now, this is the same level of fun and gore that we saw in the in the original film. It's mm-hmm. the same tone we're aiming for here. Very funny, very clever, very taking the piss out of this sort of whole new age That's wellness good. That's thing. Good. I same. imagine a few rich assholes get yep, taken exactly. out. Exactly, they most definitely good. I'm sure we can cast accordingly with rich assholes yes, in this yes, particular yes, role. And they will have come from all around the world, not just from the UK. Yeah, you want some we yeah. want some we want some international flavor. Yep. Yep. If you will. So yep. maybe and then we need some ridiculous sort of cameo, I think, as well. Maybe a Danny Minogue or something like that who gets <laughs> who gets destroyed. Look, could I pitch uh Timothy Dalton? <laughs> yeah, well he was in hot fuzz. Why not? That's he what could, I'm saying, yeah. yeah. They already know each maybe other. Even, maybe even Timothy Dalton could be the leader of this thing. Maybe he could be James Bond Paul. <laughs> or a James Bondy character. I'm a bit thinking. old for James Bond now, but sure. Okay. I mean, you know, but like, I, how good would it be to have someone really big in that sort of cult—the wrong word—but in this meditative leader facilitator role, or maybe maybe an Idris Elba or something like that. I'm thinking Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt would be good. You know what I'm saying? I like the Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pittness. But Ed becomes their their guardian. He is he is their their champion, if you will. He saves them several times and mm. the like through the course of this film. So I like that that bond exists between them. So it's not just Ed trying to eat people. It's Oh, okay, that's better. Yeah, so sort of spruiking up that way, but in the end, it becomes Sean and Ed and Liz versus this army of demons. And again, if they can't stop it, who knows how wide this thing goes? Nice, nice. Am I going to see anyone else from, or did everyone die from the last one? What's her name? The the chick who was in uh, Wonder Woman. She lived, as it turned out, in the in some of the DVD extra features. Yes, yes. Lucy, I think her name was from from Vague. You know, in short of it, I had a thing for her. And the office, yeah. like, and yeah. Then, and then you saw her in. Yeah, it kind of went south. Orbit. You know, these things happen. But yeah, that that was that was a thing. Um, oh, okay, not bad. No, not bad. Lucy Davis plays Diane. Sorry, that's right. Okay, now bit of Queen music in here. Am I guessing? Why not? There will ha- absolutely have to be a scene where they are fighting to some kind. You know, in terms of the. Yeah, the don't stop me now. Sort of like in, in time with the music. In time with the music type yep. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. So not we get bad. some of those callbacks. We get lots of references to Evil Dead and demon possession movies and the like, as per the original. Shaun of the Dead, that's why Shaun of the Dead 2, colon, Dead by Shaun. Sure. It re- works on multiple levels, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'll get Myers from down the hall to do this one for you since I don't really know much about horror movies, but I think this has got legs. Thank you. If you will. All right, cool. All right. Nice What's your number two? My number two is a sequel to a popular film, and the name, working title again, is Jules Wonders. That's right. It's a sequel to Pulp Fiction, Paul. Okay, you're right. Where Jules... For a second I thought you were going Jules the Nile, but okay. No, no, Jules as in (laughs) Jules Winfield. Is that his name? It is. Yeah, okay. So, I know this would be blasphemy. And I know this is what we're going to do once Quentin does his last fucking movie, his 10th movie, and he's not going to do it anymore. He's retiring. Yes, I'm going to get someone else to direct this thing. Exactly. So, 
basically, f- Jules from Pulp Fiction, after he gave up his life and said he wanted to walk the earth like Kane from Kung Fu, mm-hmm. this is literally those walks. Okay. And this is a story that I would have, like, I, okay, basically, it's, it's going to be a different story structure from Pulp. It's not going to be this cutty, 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 different storylines thing. It's going to be, we can have some flashbacks if you like. If you must. But uh, this is kind of an urban western, Paul. Urban western. So he is literally walking the earth, different countries. I'm going to say because Jules is old now, he still has that gruff aggressiveness and steely glare of his youth. But he's no longer quick on the draw. Because if you've seen Secret Invasion, this motherfucker can barely walk. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think I stopped that episode four. Dude, it fucking blew. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Ian, he now has to settle things using his brain and forward planning. Uh, it's already amazing that Jules even made it this far because, you know, hitmen typically don't last that long, but whatever. Uh, he now uses... He's not a hitman anymore. Wasn't he giving it away? Yeah, he did. But, you know, the life. I don't know. He uses a bulletproof vest right now. Smart. He's maintained his penchant for wearing black suits, but they're still 90s style, so a bit boxy. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking we somehow, in a flashback, involve Michael Madsen in this. Oh, okay. Well, that's big for you to acknowledge this. I know, but like, there's, I mean, let's like, let's let's face it. I could probably get him for forty bucks. I mean, he's so Vincent Vince, Vega's brother. Vincent Vega's brother, but of course, he bought the farm in Pulp in um, Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would have to be some kind Ooh, of so it has to be some serious CGI. CGI, yeah, fatness. I know, I know. So we'll see if like accounting <laughs> will approve this. It's just an idea. It's easy to go back to having John DeVolta. Well, if you, it probably would. It probably would. If we're going to go flashback, okay, fair enough. Because there's no telling when. Actually, John Travolta would be better. Let's go with John Travolta. Okay. I can also get him for 40 bucks. Um, <laughs> but if you think that's difficult, Paul, check this out. He winds up in Europe because he's walking the earth. But he doesn't have to be Europe. We could go South America or something like that. But I want to put him somewhere else, okay? And while he's enjoying his Royale with cheese at McDonald's, okay, he looks up and outside, he's in Paris. Let's say he's in Paris. There's Butch. Butch. Bruce Willis. I know, I know. Be tough I know well. it's tough. Okay. Bruce Willis is still with Fabian. Okay. Gosh, and he can I, do better. You didn't like her? No. Nah. You didn't like her at all? No. Nah. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's right. She's a little white for you. All right, fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, both men are now in their 60s, I guess. More? 60s? 70s? How long was Pulp Fiction ago? Whatever. 1994. Mm, what were they, 40 then? Yeah, 60-something. Let's say 60-something, okay? Um, They see each other, and it's just like an odd moment of realization. I don't know where this scene goes, but I want a a moment like this. After all these years, Jules, despite wanting to be like Kane from Kung Fu, he still carries a gun, okay? And they stop, they look at each other, and then Bruce decides to keep walking, and Jules looks around McDonald's, takes his hand off his gun, and the movie itself is essentially about why and how and when you need to let go. At what stage do you no longer allow your past to dictate your future? It's a little okay. bit like Skyfall, which was like a meditation on a once dangerous men aging into sort of like obscurity. Again, I'm not sure how it's going to end. I'm not sure how it's going to go. But this is a series of, of adventures Jules has after Pulp Fiction. So Jules wanders, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. He'll probably die at the end. I don't see another sequel here, so we may as well cap him. I mean... Yeah, more bloodthirsty than I am today. Okay, well, there we are. Yeah, I'm just saying. Jules wanders. Okay, whatever, Jules. Yeah, I, I'm not I sure mean, about travel, the, the title, sorry. Yeah, the title, it, to be honest, it's not Puppet Man ads either. It mm. could be something like The Righteous Man. I don't know. No, I, I, you know, I mean, no. something like that. That could work. I like that. that one, I like that one more. All right, nice. My number two, and I realize now that a lot of these, I guess because I'm wanting the same actors in most of my sequels, with the exception That's of. That's how all directors work, too. Paul. I'm going with a sequel to a beloved film from the 80s. Go on. 
which was about kids back then. So a little bit like your Home Alone, I guess this is my treatment thereof. Sure. But I'm going with the Goonies too. Oh, great. And I don't have a, a clever title other than the Goonies too. Okay, I'm not sure. That's all I need. That's all I need, Paul. This one, they're all grown up and they've all moved around with their lives and they're all pretty successful with those lives with the exception of Mouth. Mouth didn't make it. So he's he's alive, but he's fallen on hard times. He's, so basically Corey Feldman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I don't think it's going to be a big stretch for Corey Feldman to play. No, I don't think so either. And in this sequel, he is... He's been given a bad diagnosis. He's going to die of some terminal disease. He's already Ooh, kind of down dark. his luck and yeah, yeah, and yeah. the like. And you know, he was probably a drug user and, and the like. And his mouth gave him a lot of trouble. And he had the mob chasing him, all that kind of shit. Sure, so sure. He's wound up here and he hasn't got long to live. And once Mikey gets wind of this, Mikey goes back, goes to see him where, right. wherever he is. He travels to see him. So Sean Aston. Sean Aston, and you know, he's really worried. And he says, "Look, I've been doing a lot of research because Mikey's the dreamer. He's never given up on this whole." treasure thing but he found it but yeah. i get what you mean but he's still he's, he's that kind of kid he guy is guy now and he's heard of the tree of life oh this is the MacGuffin. yeah this is the MacGuffin in deepest darkest i'm just gonna say this for you julio peru in sure. the peruvian jungle sure incas and he thinks he's got a pretty good read on where it is and he says to mouth i want you to come with me you're gonna die anyway come with me and you know what i'm prepared to make this journey for you because you deserve better you're the only one of us that didn't succeed and mouse like no nah, not doing it oh mouse like forget about me my time's done it's a fucking pipe dream mikey it's not worth your life you've got a successful life go and live it so mikey goes off and does it anyway without mouth without mouth and he leaves mouth with his notes and his you know his maps and whatever else he's made from all all the information he's got he leaves it with him on a hard drive mm. and mikey disappears there it is i knew it Yep. That's why he didn't go with any of the other people. Uh-huh. And so Mouth gets the rest of the Goonies back together, including, including Josh Brolin, and they go into the Peruvian jungle. Is Chunk f- is Chunk an entertainment lawyer? Yes. Because that's what he really well, does Well, Chunk, Chunk's in it, whatever Yeah, he is Chunk's great. Right. He's actually skinny now. But, so uh, Chunk comes back. He's Obviously, that can be a, a bit of a bit. He's not Chunk anymore. And hey, sure. I'll clean up my life now, guys. No and truffle shuffle here. No truffle shuffling anymore. Now, Paul, yeah. this is the important one. Right. Can we get Andy back? <laughs> God, I love her. I'm sure. Well, I hope. I don't I know. She's like I haven't days. looked at any of these actors these days, but you know, Martha Plimpton's still around. Let's get them all back and let's just set them on this adventure. Now, I don't think the actor who plays Sloth is still alive, but let's somehow write Sloth in here. I want Sloth in. I want him to create, be part of this journey and do another wondrous, amazing adventure slash saviour thing. And it turns out that there's some creepy slash corrupt riverboat captain, think, you know, Jungle Cruise type, Dwayne Johnson, but nowhere near as you know roguishly handsome or as good, if you will. I think I like that. I like the idea of he's that. He's the antagonist. He knows where Mikey went, and he sort of drops it there, all thinking they're all going to die because you know the local tribe or whatever it is are all protecting this thing. A little bit like you know Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes, that's what we're talking and about. And they've here. taken Mikey, and the gang rescues him, and no one dies in this film. Wayne, this is a family. We're going PG. We're going PG. This is a further family fun adventure. We don't have to get dark beyond mouths. PG thirteen. But yeah, PG thirteen. Mount. They get the tree of life. They rescue Mikey pretty early on, and then it's them trying to escape out of there with the tree of life seed slash whatever it is that they use to save mouse life. Now, is the tree of life? Is it underground? Is there something cool like that going to happen? You all, know what I'm saying? Like they're going to be caverns. You know what I'm saying? Yep. They've got to get into the jungle. They've got to be you know running across booby traps, and they've got to have the native flora slash fauna try to kill them at various points in time. I like this. As well as this guarding tribe. So it's uh, 
It's a, it's a good old-fashioned rollicking adventure. Cool. Now, a question for you. In the original one, it was hinted that there was like, not supernatural, shall we say, but something mythical about things. And then it turned out to just be a big boat that's, that just sailed out with skeletons on it. On this one, are we going anywhere near mythical? Or is it going to be the same sort of like fantasy? Well, I think, kind I think of we're sort of bordering on the Indiana Jones-ish type yeah, of territory. Yeah, here. I like the idea that... Because there's something, something magical about the tree, right? Because that, that, that's an important yes. thing. And that's well, like, so. if it really is a tree of life, it is magical. So there is definitely that supernatural MacGuffin part mm, of it, at least. And mm. if there's a whole tribe that believes it's real, that lends credence to the whole thing. I like this. And, you know, Josh Brolin... Yep, for he's sure. Still, he's still like... Brand or whatever his name is, like he's he's still bust ass. I think he's good. So okay, that works. By the way, this is uh, this is Andy now. Yep, you know what I'm saying. Yep, definitely get her on board. No, great. Wayne would love to have Fantastic. her on his board. Ba- <laughs> 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 All right, there we are. Goonies two for me. Not bad, mate. Not bad. All right, Wayne, um, just list the films that you've you have spruced so far today, and then sure. hit us up with your number one. Okay, number five was Alone, the Home Alone sequel. Four, Batman: Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. Three, Matilda: The Apprentice. Two. Jules, well, actually, The Righteous Man. The Righteous going with Man. The, the yep. Pulp Fiction sequel. Good. So and far, I'm liking the Batman one. That one's that one's really won me yeah, over. Yeah, I thought that might be your mm-hmm. jam. Until this one, Paul. Well, wait. We'll see about this okay. one. Okay, all right. This one I wrote the most on, right? It's called... I don't know what it's called, but it's a sequel to The Last Action Hero. <laughs> wow. I know. This right? is... Woo. I know. Okay, is a hell of a drug. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So check this out. I wrote, uh, this is my number one because I thought about it the most. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> all right. So... We start with a small montage of Danny. Oh, by the way, The Last Action Hero, if anyone doesn't know, is uh, the old movie where this kid named Danny, uh, who's a huge movie buff, he's like, woo, he loves Jack Slater, which is an Arnold Schwarzenegger character who's a big character in a, in a film series that he loves. He gets a golden ticket and basically manages to go into that movie, live that world, and the whole movie is about movie cliches and shit like that. And then the movies, like, the villain comes out into the, the villain, into Charles our Dance, world. Is, um, yep. Yeah, he's, he, he, you know, he comes, comes out. Devils, to death comes out. The all seal. Stuff. Personally, I love The Last Action Hero. I thought it was a great fucking film. Right? It was ahead of its time. Definitely ahead of its time. So this, this sequel... He, so we start with that with the with the you know the the recap and the montage and whatever and we see all that stuff and then we cut to a big on-screen prompt that says 30 years later like Marvel or something mm-hmm. right and then we see that Danny the boy is now the owner of that same theater that he saw movies in as a child that fits not doing great cuz it's movies <laughs> um yeah. and after the pandemic yeah exactly he's a single father his son Jack all right yeah like named like after it. Jack Slater uh, comes home from school and he's now the age Danny was in that original film, I'm guessing 13. The kid is also a movie buff, as is often the case when you have a child who's that age. And he asks Danny, he's like, do you have the new Slater film real yet? Can we go see it? And Danny's like, yeah, I, I was do. watching, he's still making films. No, 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 no. This is the, this is the cool part, Paul. Okay. Danny says, sure, puts on the, I'm not sure if there's a reel anymore. I don't know how you put on a movie in a movie. Digital, yeah. Is it digital? It's like yeah. a cassette? I don't know. Anyway, he says, okay, yeah. He puts it on and they start watching the new Jack Slater film. And as you're watching the film, you see like what seems to be a similar thing, but then it booms up to the back of the of the lead character, Jack Slater, and he turns around and it's like Zac Efron or something, <laughs> right? Or something, or someone, right? And and basically, what you as the audience realize, it's like, oh, they're watching the this mantle has passed. Well, yeah, they're so they're watching a sequel to a rebooted franchise, okay. Movie ends, the boy goes, that was the best movie ever. Danny's like, that was bullshit, right? <laughs> that was bullshit. So you want to see a real movie? I like this. That's good. Like you that. know? And he, was like, he starts talking to him about the Jack Slater thing. And he goes, yeah, you always talk about Jack Slater, whatever. And he goes, you know what? I can let you meet the original real Jack Slater. The kid's like, 
whatever. Shows it, goes up, grabs his golden ticket, which he still has in the office somewhere. He says, this will put you in the movie world. Kid goes, Dad, you've been drinking. I don't know what's going on with you, mm-hmm. but you got issues. <laughs> this is some bullshit. He goes, oh, yeah? Basically proves it to him. Boom. They go into the original, one of the original Jack Slater movies. And he's like, woo. So now we're back in the 80s slash 90s. Yeah. Though, yeah. All right. In New York, New York. That's where it was set, right? So he's like, okay, they're walking around. They're doing tourist ship and stuff. And all of a sudden from the, from, you know, from the shadows, you see this, someone's watching them. And he takes off his sunglasses and he's got two glass eyes, Paul. That's right. <laughs> this was Charles Dance's son. Who's always been sore about the fact that Charles Dance was killed by Jack Slater and he knew about this Danny kid and he's somehow like, that must be that Danny kid. Oh my God, I've seen him again. How does he, he see anything with two glass eyes? Uh, obviously, there's some tech going on here. Honey, okay. Charles, maybe it's, yeah, maybe two glass eyes doesn't work. <laughs> Let's just say he's got a similar glass eye, all right? Dynamite drop there in money. You go. There you go. And broadcast school has really paid off. So, to, to make this, uh, I'll basically just whip through this now. So, here's what happens he then kidnaps Danny and his son. Okay. The son gets away. Danny gets kidnapped. The son's like, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right? Oh no, sorry. That's right. The son gets kidnapped and no. Danny gets away. That makes more sense. Okay. So right? we're following Danny. Yeah. So we're following Danny. Danny's like, Jesus, I don't know what to do. What to do? So he says, I got to find Jack Slater. So he goes around to fucking, you know, find somehow he finds Jack Slater's house, goes in there and says, Jack Slater, I need you. But Jack Slater ain't there, Paul. It's his fucking talking ass cat, Danny DeVito. What was his name? Whiskers. That was his name, right? That was, I don't remember that part. Okay. Yeah, that was a part, right? And he's like, oh, shit. All right. Whiskers realize, says to him, look, um, Jack Slater retired years ago. He said he had a golden ticket of some sort, but I don't know where he went. Because at the end of the last movie, Danny gave him the ticket and said, come visit So how has he still got a ticket then? Because there was two tickets. No, two. In the, right. the two halves, right? So you could use either half. So okay. that's how, right? So he's like, oh, shit. Jack is back in my world. He goes back into his world to look for Jack. He finds him. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he looks like Fat Thor. He's all fucked up. He's old. He's like, yo, I came back to hang out with you, but then I discovered food, and it was so addictive that I became fat, and I didn't <laughs> want to see anyone, so now I'm just going to live my days out here. Long okay. story short, they go back into the fucking movie, and when he goes back in, all the movie rules apply. All of a sudden, Arnold Schwarzenegger is buff for a 60-year-old again. All the station people love him. So he's like, shit, I'm fit again. And they go on taking each other on, and they go after motherfucking this other guy. And there's a basically there's a bunch of plot things where... You know, he's like the bad guy realizes he can't win because it's movie world. So he comes out of the movie as well, goes into the Zac Efron movie, convinces the writer to write a bad guy winning, comes back and forth. All kinds of shit happens. I like the idea of weaving in the new world. I'm not sure that we need Alan Schwarzenegger to be fat. I think he can just be old. Okay, old, but like... Because I don't think that's the way it works in the in the original film. You just suddenly become amazing when you go into the movie world. But here's the thing. In movies, if you if there's an old ex-action hero, he's still pretty buff for his age. You know what I mean? But like Whereas Danny in the doesn't change world, to be suddenly be this sinewy Robin type. But he's, he's comedy relief, so he can just be a piece of shit. The hero... That's the idea behind yeah, it. So but, there you go. So, uh, yeah... Uh, and in the end, Jack decides to stay in the movie world and say, this is where I belong. And money means nothing to me, but it means a lot to you. So I'm going to give you this movie money that's going to turn into real money when you get into your fucking right. real world. And then you fix up your theater and you have the best theater ever. Boom! That's yeah, the end. Yeah, that's a good you ending. I like, I like the... Uh, you gets, know what I'm gets, saying. Everyone lives and Yeah, nice. Good fun one. Cool. Who would be your director? Uh, we're, John's gone. John oh, I don't think he's John. I just think he's been in movie slash real jail for tax evasion. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to... Was it taxation or was he, he was, yeah, anyway, he was yeah, recording people illegally and shit? Edgar Wright wouldn't do it, would he? Well, she might throw enough money at him. Okay, so my favorite director is probably David Fincher, but I don't think he's going to make it too mm, ass nasty. Yeah, I don't think David Fincher is no, right. I'm going to need someone with a good sensibility and sort of yeah. comedy. I like Edgar Wright's a great choice. Yeah. All right. Let's All right. Very that. nice. Very nice there. All right. My number one, Wayne, and I did promise at the top of the episode that this was going to blow people's minds. I can't wait to get my mind blown. 
I'm not sure how to introduce this, Go but on. it's also an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Ooh, just let it happen, yeah. My number one pitch sequel, which after number five, of course, being the thing to thing harder. <laughs> number four, Aliens Unnamed sequel, straight from the second film. Number three, Shaun of the Dead 2, Dead by Shaun. And number two, The Goonies 2. Got it. My number one film is Total Recall 2, colon, It Was a Dream. <laughs> No, it was not a dream. Sorry. It was, hey, a, dream. It was a dream, boy. No, no, here we go. It was not a dream. Doug Quay has gone to live an action-packed life. He's having saved Mars from destruction. He's never settled down, never feeling truly comfortable or safe with another woman after having Laurie betray him. But one night, he's dreaming. And he dreams, Wayne, of being a brown, bald man with a deceptive <laughs> laugh. A man whose mother specifically tells him, you're not James Bond, you know. When he won't settle down. Now, oh, this is a bit. The whole thing is a bit. Quaid <laughs> is struck by how realistic this dream was, how true to life, how connected he felt to this brown, bald man. No, I'm getting it. And he goes to see Recall, which has survived, but it's refined. It's tech a lot. Asking for the James Bond package. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, a group of angry women, Wayne, storm into the room. <laughs> Demanding to know why he didn't take himself off various dating profiles. <laughs> <laughs> and then they try to kill him all the while calling him Wayne. <laughs> Quaid has to call all his skills because even though he's bigger than the various women, by far he's older and slower and they outnumber him, which is important to explain, <laughs> Wayne, to you why a bunch of women can beat Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, Jesus. So he knocks a few out, then turns on the recall doctor, who he's now realised is also an ex. But he didn't recognise her because he's had so many exes. <laughs> oh my God, the work you've done on this. Go ahead, please. So she says, basically, he really is Wayne Arusu, and his Douglas Quay is a projection of an insecure mind. He became so caught up in that circa 2023 that he created his whole life for himself and retreated into it. <laughs> okay. Doug does not believe this. And while agents of Recall try to hunt him down, he uncovers a conspiracy to topple Earth's government starting with the corrupt CEO of Recall. Oh. Awesome action scene after another action scene follows as Quaid wonders whether this really could be a dream. Mm-hmm. One action scene would involve Quaid using his EDC. <laughs> To escape his pursuers. And another, he'd have a little blowtorch that he burns someone's face with before cutting his way out of a fix that he's in. Well, I do have one of those. I mean, yeah, sure. (laughs) Oh, and another, and turns out the CEO of Recall is another ex of Wayne, (laughs) of Quaid, sorry. (laughs) Making this the genuine moment of crisis in the film. But before Quaid can decide whether or not he should take the pill to wake himself up and become Wayne again, he sees a trickle of sweat rolling down between her breasts. (laughs) Because, of course. That's where he's looking, and he shoots her dead. Is it real or is it a dream? Total Recall 2, it was not a dream, says it all. Okay, we're going to do a little round of applause, a little golf clap on that one. Uh, I had no idea you would do that, and uh, frankly, I'm so much happier for it. It was worth it just to hear you laugh about it. Oh my god, you're so winning this one. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. You deserve to, too. So where you go? Uh, I just started with Total Recall 2 It was not a dream And then it went in that direction Which I'm sure yours evolved As they went along as well Yeah If anyone's un- uh, if anyone doesn't know Me and Paul have had this long standing argument I think Total Recall was a dream And he thinks it wasn't a dream And we had a whole episode about We did once Way, way back in the day 
And yeah, so that was this is a that's a very that's pretty great. Yeah. Thank you. That's pretty Thank great. you very much. Nice that's, work. Alice, obviously no one mentions today, Wayne, I'm assuming. No, but I did have an idea for Predator High Noon. Yep. Where we had Western. a Predator movie. In a Western, yeah, yeah. Right? I think I did play around because I'd heard that great idea of you know a samurai film with predators. That'd be pretty fucking sweet too. Maybe but the I next heard that idea already. So, but then maybe I took some of my aliens' ideas. Anyway, look, it's long all, story it's short, all the ether. there is Alice. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of the countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand in a segment that we call the Pop Ten. Talk about Pop Ten. Talk about Pop Ten. Kicking off this week's. Top 10 with a mixture of feedback that is both serious and I think fairly amusing. Stephen Crew went serious where he said, I would love a Constantine 2. Mm. Hmm. So I think that could work. John Constantine, asshole. Yeah, Luke, Al- Luke Alexander, however, went the uh, less serious route. He said, Ghost 2 with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> God damn, bro. <laughs> that one I thought was very, very good. Jesse, Dix- Jesse Dixon said, Bear with me. So I firmly believe that the ending of Baby Driver is a complete fantasy as indicated by the black and white. I reckon Baby is jailed for his full 25 years and Deborah would have moved on. Oh, uh, yeah. Enter Baby Driver 2. Baby is now played by Ryan Gosling as it's 25 years later. He has to get back in the game as it's all he knows. He tries to get Deborah back, but she rejects him. So he becomes depressed and turns deeper into the crime world. Then in Baby Driver 3, we jump another 25 years and Baby's now in his early 60s. This time played by Tom Cruise. He is now the Kevin Spacey character and has a new driver. And after that driver gets killed in a car crash, Baby decides to do one last job, the biggest job of his life, that will test him both physically and morally. Holy crap. There you go. So there's a lot of thought went to that one. Look, yeah. if you can sell Tom Cruise as an older Ryan Gosling, I'm in. And Ryan Gosling is an older, what was he? Was uh, it? What's his name? That guy, yeah. Bolden Aaron, right? Was that, who was it played him? No, it was um, some other cracker with a very European sounding name. Okay, good. Uh, but you know what? I was thinking maybe Drive is Baby Driver 2. Oh, shit. There you go. I was thinking there, Jesse. Thank you for that one. John Hislander, patron to the show, said my first choice is Dread 2. Wasn't the only one. A couple people said Oh, yeah. 100% agree. But then he said, Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League should have happened. I know a sequel book came out last year and it isn't supposed to be good, but I want this to happen. Have you seen Buckaroo Banzai? Yeah, a long time ago. I barely remember. Kevin Smith was about to do a sequel and then it fell apart. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Rod Hardingham. Roddy Rod. Welcome, Rod. First time, maybe. Feedback to the show. Thanks for joining in here. Where are the Firefly votes? Disappointed, really. <laughs> the what? The fi- Firefly. Oh, Firefly. Yeah, so yeah, Serenity yeah. 2, if you will. Jonathan Kidd said, Seabiscuit 2, colon, dog food days of summer. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Rough. Glenn Sutherland said, I can't limit this to one answer. He said, Robocop versus Terminator, Spaceballs, Lava Lantula 3, with every living Police Academy actor. In fact, sad the CGI ones, uh, putting the CGI ones that are no longer with us. Oh, wow. Yeah. Smile Samani. Mate to us said a proper sequel to the thing. There you go. Where it gets on an aircraft carrier or some sort of ship. Oh, we're obviously on the same boat there. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with such rich source material practically writes itself. And he's number one. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Waiting years for this one. Groundbreaking this day. The potential is huge. What would happen? Did Roger... Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't oh. ask people for what would really yeah, happen. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam Cracknell added Dread 2 as well because that's the only correct answer in his mind. Lee Allen Thomas said The Martian 2. The next crew up there to see the mess Mark Watney left behind. Things are going fine until they turn on the black light. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> very, very good. All right. Uh, last four here. Matt Evans said, Stand by me too. Grown up Geordie, Vern and Teddy make a pact to seek out Chris's killer. They track him down and find out it's Ace, but he's actually now a vampire. Teddy, guns, Geordie, Geordie, sorry, brains, Vern, clumsy brawn, battle it out in, class, in Castle Rock in an epic seek and destroy. Closing, re- closing credits, sorry. 
Ace's mangled corpse manages to escape, hitching a ride to the Santa Carla, where he slowly rejuvenates, as in creating the Lost Boys. Oh, shit! I think that's where he's going. Yeah, I think that's where he's going with that. You know what? I heard a story that um, the dudes in Stand By Me, all the actors actually kind of ended up like their characters. Like, River Phoenix died too soon, which is how that character died in the movie, or ended up in the movie. What else? Jerry Uh, O'Connell didn't end up fat. No, Jerry Jerry O'Connell actually ended up successful, which is also how, Mm -hmm. how that movie ended. Also, how about this for a thing sequel title? That thing you do. <laughs> or the thing, Electric Boogaloo. Go ahead. <laughs> of course. Uh, Mark Ellis Reagan's one of the hosts of the So Is It podcast. Do check them out. Said, episode 10, Rise Higher of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and then his co-host, Joey DiCarlo, said, The Ring 3, Samara, played by Lindsay Lohan, is stuck in her well and so no one watches, and as no one watches VHS tapes anymore, when a group of wacky retro-loving teens accidentally free her, can they take this washed-up chain-smoking killer and show her the power of friendship? <laughs> That one also made laugh. And then the last one goes to B Dizzle from the We Watch the Thing podcast and a patron to the show. He said, Reap 2, <laughs> colon, Reap Harder. <laughs> That's your I'm feedback on the topic at hand. Thank you, everyone, who got back to us. Sorry I couldn't get through all of it. We really greatly appreciate it, Wayne. What's happening next week for episode 440 on the show? Well, we're going to do a little something called. Top 10 thrillers of the 21st century. Yep, back onto this millennium as we bounce back and forth between the 200 years. So the best thriller movies of this particular century. And thrillers are awesome. 2010s, but we haven't done the whole millennium, so we're going to pit all those films against each other. Damn right. How the good folk get in touch with us, Wayne, with their feedback on, well, anything Countdown related. Google the Countdown Podcast, find our socials, or send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a website which needs to be updated called thecountdownpodcast.com. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much uh, on X. Gonna give it to you. <laughs> we are the Countdown PC and the Facebook is going to be mentioned it several times. That's where you leave feedback on the show. Like and follow as well us through Podbean. Thank you so much for joining us today for episode 439. Hope you enjoyed some of these sequel ideas. My name is Paul. My name's Wayne. And this has been the Soundboard. It was not a dream. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. Sonic Man!